Yes, you're listening to Rumination Thursday, Law and Gospel, on this May the 23rd in the year of our Lord, 2019. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. Wes Reimnitz, my usual co-host, is on assignment. So we have with us the Reverend Steve Reardon. Hi, Steve. Hey, Tom. How are you? I'm doing very good. Pastor Reardon, before he became a pastor, was actually a member of my church at St. James Lutheran with his soon-to-become wife, Sharon. Sharon is very involved. She was in the pro-life movement. Right now, they're both involved in the International Student Ministries. And Pastor Reardon is pastor at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Wildwood. How do you enjoy it there? Love it. Great congregation, great people, and I'm very happy to be here. It's almost five years now, which is hard to believe. So, Wow. Yeah, I have done a couple of uh, Bible studies there, and we had a baptism there. But uh, we're certainly glad to have you on. You are on other KFUO programs. Yeah, well, I just primarily one. I mean, I will do Concord Matters yes. you know, on Tuesdays occasionally. Yeah, so um, don't they repeat it on Saturday? Yeah, they do. Yeah, but you know, it's it's taped. I'm not live on that one time. You know, so. Well, are you live now? Um, I haven't had enough coffee yet. I'm not quite sure. What is with coffee? They didn't have any in the coffee hour. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, fortunately, I'm not a fan of coffee, so it doesn't bother me very much. But. What we wanted to talk about, Issues Etc., of course, is a tremendous program here on KFUO, and they have a periodical. And during the last few months in their periodicals, they've been talking about various pastors of other denominations that became Lutheran pastors. And so I wanted to talk to you about that a little bit, about your experience uh, you were formerly of a Roman Catholic uh, tradition. What got you thinking about becoming Lutheran? Well, I think that, you know, and, and just for clarification, too, I, I was not a Roman, Roman Catholic clergy. You know, I, I, was, I, was a, I was a layman, you know, but I think that, you know, what it was was exposure you know, to, well, I was dating her at the time. She wasn't my wife yet, but exposure to Lutheranism uh, through her, you know, and I was always a very... I was a practicing Catholic. I mean, my my family was, you know, dutifully there every Sunday morning for church. Yes. Um, so so I, w- I was definitely a practicing Catholic at that time. Um, well, I but, remember at your wedding, by the way, that some priests showed up because they were good friends with you. Right, good friends of the family. Right, yes. exactly, exactly. You know, so it was kind of a big deal growing up. I mean, and, and I also came from a, a very Irish Catholic family. I mean, my parents were from Ireland. Um, and that's a little bit like being Jewish. You know, if you're from Ireland, you're Roman Catholic. You know, that's just the way that it goes. And so um, that was all I knew growing up. And then the exposure, uh, you know, from her and then probably to you also, you know, and, and just the conversations we had over time, you know. Um, and then by the time we were getting married, ended up doing adult instruction, you know, with you. you know? Right. I think you were one of the few that had to go through twice. 
<laughs> okay, let's, let's put this differently, okay? I went through by choice twice, okay? It well, that's I, what I meant. I didn't have to. It wasn't like I flunked the first time. No, you know? but <laughs> you were one who really had deep questions, and I really enjoyed uh, having you in the class and such. And so it was really a joy when you did make the decision uh, to become a, a Lutheran. And I know Sharon was really pleased with that also. But... Uh, Give a little background as to what really moved you from a, a Roman Catholic way of thinking to a Lutheran way of thinking. Well, I, I, I can actually pinpoint this, you know, um, uh, to a study that we had done together, you and I, during the course of uh, the, the adult instruction, and that was a, the study of the story of the young rich man in Mark chapter 10. Um, that was when the light bulb went off, <clears throat> you know, for me, uh, coming from a Roman Catholic background. I didn't really have a clear understanding of grace, definitely no clear understanding about you know, distinguishing between law and gospel. Um, to, to my way of summarizing what Roman Catholicism teaches in terms of salvation is that Jesus saves you by his death on the cross, but what he does is he kind of takes you and places you on the road to salvation, um, but then it's up to you to walk the rest of the way. It's like he gets you jump-started, um, but the rest of salvation is really something that is in your hands, you know, and it is through your, you know, obedience to the Ten Commandments and how good a life you lead, you know, and how devoted to the Church and all those sorts of things, you know, are what end up being credited to you so that you kind of complete your salvation or finish your salvation. Now, that may surprise people that Mark 10, that was the rich man who came to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, follow the commandments. And he said, well, I've all done these since my youth. And then Jesus says, give your money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And that's the way you're going to be saved. How does that move you from a good works theology to a by grace theology? I think, I think it's how the whole story concludes, really. Oh, I guess you know? we need to do that, yes. Yeah, might, yeah we might, you know, the, it, it context is king, okay? You know, but, but I think that, you know, what cl was clear to me and what was made clear to me, again, was that distinction, you know, that I think, you know, Luther so brilliantly, you know, discovered at the time of the Reformation is that whole distinction between law and gospel and what Jesus is doing and seeing how Jesus is actually using the application of the law with the young rich man to show him his sin and that he cannot do it, um, you know, because when you compare yourself and your life to the Ten Commandments, if anyone is, is even remotely intellectually honest, they're going to tell you that they have not kept it. You know, now, now throw in also the fact that, um, you know, when we speak about the commandments and sinning against the commandments, that we're talking about it not only in our deeds, but also our thoughts and our words. And it's really the, the thoughts that end up convicting us, um, because I'm, I'm very good at controlling my outward behavior. You know, I mean, people can get in my face and be yelling at me and doing whatever, and I'm very good at not responding, you know, to that. Yes. But inside, I'm probably fuming with anger, uh -huh. you know. And so when you consider sin as thought, word, and deed, and including our thoughts, you cannot compare yourself to the Ten Commandments and see that you've kept them. You know, we all have to admit that we've broken them. Uh, and so with the young rich man, when Jesus throws out the law there, and I, and I happen to think that the young man is not, you know, um, 
I don't think he's boasting here. I don't think when he says he's kept all these commandments from his youth, I don't think it's any sort of false bravado before Jesus. I think in his mind he actually thinks that he did. Well, a good example of someone who said the same thing was the Apostle Paul. He said, before I was converted under the law, I was blameless. Right, right. Because he's only thinking about outward obedience maybe to the ceremonial laws, which he probably was blameless on. Right, exactly. And And, and, misses the point that you've been making that Jesus does in the Sermon on the Mount, that murder isn't just an action, it's also a bad thought and also a bad word. Right, exactly. So, So I think that the young rich man, in his sincerity... You know, actually believes you yes. know, that he has kept the commandments, but sincerity doesn't get you anywhere. You know, I mean, we can be sincerely wrong. You know, and so of course, you know, what ends up happening is that the Jesus, you know, there Jesus says, you know, what you need to do is you need to sell everything you have and follow me. And the guy couldn't do it because he had a lot of possessions. Yes. You know, Jesus basically gave him something that he could not do. You know, and, and broke him with the law, but he went away sad. You know, as the text says. But it's interesting, and this is where it all fits back into how do you move from that to an understanding of being saved by grace, you know, is the conversation gets picked up with the disciples. Yes. You know, and the disciples pick right up where the young man, you know, was was left off. Yeah, who then can be saved if he can't be? Exactly, exactly. You know, and they go through the whole thing, and I love the, you know, the fact that Jesus says, you know, that it's difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven, and I've heard... So many people take this text, you know, out of context again yes. to use it as an opportunity to bash the rich, but that's not what Jesus is doing. You know, I mean, and, and again, in that culture, it was the rich who were surely saved because if you looked at their lives, you would say, well, surely they're being blessed by God because they're rich. Well said. You know, so God, God obviously likes them, you know, and so when it says in the text, you know, that the disciples were amazed, you know, they, they, they were amazed because... All their life, they're thinking that it was the rich who were most certainly saved. Yeah, they you know? could uh, send people into the field while they went to synagogue worship services. They exactly. gave big tithes, this right. kind of thing. Right. And right. I love Jesus' answer when they asked who then can be saved. With men, it is... Impossible. Yes. And, and that, was, that was what clicked inside of me. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, that was one, you know, that I, you know th- to be perfectly Lutheran here which I think is okay, you know, um, but that's when the Spirit, you know, working through the Word, you know, basically opened my eyes. You had a Martin Luther experience when he was reading Romans. Right, yeah. (laughs) I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, I I can pinpoint it to this particular text and say that's that's when it became very clear to me that people can't do it. Yes, A similar text, that was Mark 10, is Luke 10, where the exact same question is asked, not by a rich man, but by a lawyer. What must I do? And he even says the Ten Commandments, a summary of them, and Jesus says to him, do this and you will live. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So if you're not looking at the context, you may come to the conclusion that's how Jesus says you're going to be saved. Exactly. Exactly. You know, but again, if you read through the entirety then of the, the Good Samaritan and the parable, yes. you know, what, what Jesus does, and I think it's, I, I love what Jesus does with the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And in a sense, really, the parable is kind of ancillary, you know, to what Jesus does in the whole conversation with the man. Because in the end, you know, this guy, this guy, 
you know, in, in the parable of the Good Samaritan, he leads with, you know, wanting to justify himself. Yes. You know, ask Jesus who his neighbor is, because he gives the summary of the commandments, you know, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. You know, and Jesus does say, yes, you know, do this and you'll live. And the guy wanting to justify himself asks the question, you know, who's my neighbor? Exactly. You know, he, he, he was looking for Jesus to narrow down you know, who his neighbor was so that he could keep the law. Because, Tom, if you're my neighbor, I can focus in on you, you know. Um, but if everybody is my neighbor, it's a bit harder for me to focus in on. Exactly. And what Jesus does in the very end in his answer to the guy, you yes. know, is he asks him the question, you know, you know, which of these was a neighbor to the man who was hurt? Right. You know, in the parable, Jesus flips it around. On the guy completely turns it on its head the responsibility for being a neighbor is not yours to prove yourself to be a neighbor to me my responsibility is to always be a neighbor to you under the law if you take these two mark 10 and luke 10 you begin to understand how jesus wants us to move into the world uh, you know, I drive for Uber, and uh, I'd say about half the time we get into theological conversations with the people I'm driving around with. And what I try and do, I try and find their weak point from a theological point of view. In Mark 10, it was his love of money. In Luke 10, it was his hatred of Samaritans. <laughs> And so Jesus just <laughs> uses those two, and they both walk away not very happy from Jesus. Uh, the disciples are all confused, you know, right, because right, right. living under Judaism, which taught that, as Paul said, you can be blameless under the ceremonial laws. They couldn't understand what Jesus was saying. Right. And right. so this is a technique. How often have you, do you use this in sermons or in evangelism? With the whole law gospel thing? Yes. Sure. And I think that, you know, um, you know, obviously in sermons, there's always a distinction between law and gospel. Right. You know, and, and pointing out, you know, what man can do versus what God does, you know, for us through Christ. That, that's always part of it. I do think also that, you know, particularly with dealing, you mentioned the international students, and although, <clears throat> you know, my wife is the director, you know, for international student ministries, I, I, I call myself kind of the unpaid slave, you know, of ISM. I end up doing a lot with them, you know, even though I'm not, I guess, technically not, you know, much more than a volunteer, really, you know, but one of the things that ends up happening really very naturally, um, in, and I don't think she'll mind me putting in a plug for ISM as an organization, this is the easiest evangelism and witnessing you'll ever do. You know, it really is. Uh, because all these international students coming over are interested in all things Western. Um, and they already come with this kind of idea that Western culture equals Christian culture to some extent. Mm. You know, which is not necessarily true. No. You know, um, but... It does give you an opening because then you can sit there and talk to them about what Christianity is, and they're and they're interested and they're open. Um, I, I don't want to criticize American young people, um, but to a great extent, they're a bit jaded. What does you that know? mean? Um, they, I, I think that you know the culture itself makes them yes. harder to reach. You know, in which we live right now. You know, um, and well, we're seeing that with the many who are leaving the church. Well, right, exactly. It's it's really not that way with the international students. I, I cannot tell you the, 
the countless conversations that we have had, you know, with, with international students sitting around the dinner table or, or we invite them over to the house, you know, and, and, and we sit around and just talk or we'll invite them over to the house for Christmas and explain what Christmas is all about. Um, and, and, you know, in the evangelistic way, you know, talking to them about, you know, well, what are you asking them the question? What do you think, you know, in terms of how do you get to heaven? You know, and almost all will sit there and say, in fact, now that I think back on it, any conversation I've ever had, they all say it's ultimately about being good. Yeah. You know, and, um, and, and that is just the perfect door to say, yeah, let me clarify a couple of things here because I'm really not good. Yes. You know, um, and, and, I, and then I get an opportunity to explain to them what grace is really all about, you know, and, and, and what we actually believe. Yes. You know, and, and, and it's a, like I said, this is the easiest witnessing that anybody would ever do in their life. Um, because they, these students. They're open to it. They're open to it and they're asking for it. They, they want to know. You know. Yeah, I've often said there's only two religions in the world, namely Christianity and everything else that thinks your works make a difference as to whether you go to heaven or hell. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it's easy to. Well, we, we saw that with both Mark 10, the rich man, and Luke 10, the lawyer. Both were thinking that, and that's what the early Christian church has some real difficulty with uh, thinking that, well, when you become a Christian, you got to be circumcised, etc. And so the, Paul says, you know, it was amazing when the word was preached and Peter was preaching to Cornelius, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit entered into the Gentiles. What a shocker. You yeah. know. <laughs> In the same way he came to us. Right. And that's really... Now, what schools are involved with the International Student Ministries? Um, well, right now they have relationships with Maryville here in uh, West County, um, Washington University. Uh, they also do some stuff with Webster University. Basically, they'll, they'll deal with any student in the St. Louis area, um, you know, and... Yeah, but primarily the the activities are directed, you know, to those three universities in terms of, uh, you know, uh, offering up events and things like that, and offering up uh, Bible studies and uh, English conversation groups and things like that. You know, so there there there's lots of opportunities for it. What's um, the website if someone is interested? Um, I believe that it is ismstlouis.com. You know, I. I wasn't prepared to give you the website, okay. you know, but I think if somebody just types in, you know, a search bar, ISM St. Louis, you know, it's, it's going to come up. Or so, International so, Student Ministries right. in St. Louis. Right, right. Yeah. Is that a national thing, or is it specifically just here in St. Louis? No, it's actually national. There, yeah. there is a, there, it's an RSO, you know, a recognized service organization of the LCMS. Excellent. And, um, and they do have the international, or the, the national level ISM. Uh, and then they have the, uh, you know, the, the local branches, so to speak, you know, and, and so the, the, you know, St. Louis has, you know, our particular, you know, group within ISM. You know, How do you put the word out? Do the universities allow you to put out brochures talking about what you're doing? Yeah, it depends on the, it's different depending upon the university, you know, um, you know, Washington University, uh, they, they have had a long-standing relationship with them. Um, one of the things that we do every year uh, is at WashU, we do what we call a furniture giveaway. Um, in fact, we're beginning the process of that right now, um, where we, we collect furniture 
from people in the area used furniture you know, uh-huh. in decent shape. Um, because the, the students that we are dealing with primarily are graduate students. Uh, and so when they come here, they can't stay in the dorms. You know, they're, they're not allowed to stay in the dorms. Those are only for undergrad. Um, so they're looking to have apartments. You know, and so yep. what, we, what we do is we give away furniture. You know, it's a huge event. Um, there's like four or 500 students that end up showing up for this. Um, and we, we give away everything from, you know, kitchen items to tables and couches and beds and you name it. Um, and well, I've, I've got a bed I've been sleeping in about 32 years. Or you, you could have that. <laughs> slightly used. We're looking slightly used. Oh, okay. slightly it's used. Some, okay. You know, but um, but it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge event. And then what we end up doing is, you know, not only do they get an opportunity to get it, but we actually deliver it to them. You know, and, the, and inevitably, when I talk about how, you know, the, the witnessing just comes naturally. Yes. You know, uh, every time you deliver a piece of furniture, the students are like, why are you doing this? Yeah. You know, and it's like, well, let me tell you, you know. And, and you say, so I can get to heaven. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's exactly my answer, Tom. You're right. <laughs> yes. You know, no, I mean, you know, my, my answer is, you know what? I, I have this wonderful Savior who has saved me named Jesus. Yes. And what he asked me to do is to be hospitable to those people who are coming to this country you know, and then that gives us an opportunity to tell them a little bit more about ISM, you know, and say we have all these events that we do and we would love you to be a part of it, you know, and, and invite them to come. And then they do have events throughout the course of the year, sure. you know, and we tell them about Jesus, you know, um, at these events, you know, something at Easter, something at Thanksgiving, you know. Um, yeah, well, so I mean, you know, I drive for uh, Uber and when I get around Wash U, uh, a lot of the students I pick up, are foreign students because they have to live off campus. Right. And for a while, WashU was paying Uber to do that. Oh, no kidding. Wow. Yeah, they've now stopped it because it was too expensive, but because of the crime were some of these folks. But if you've got any brochures that you can send to me or email me one and I'll make copies, I'd be glad to hand them out to uh, these students indicating here's a group that you might be interested in. Okay. I'll, I'll make sure that Sharon gets that out to you. Now, we don't want to conclude this without you telling us about where your church is, times of services, Bible studies, etc. Like you have no Bible studies at all today, for example, right? <laughs> as soon as I hang up here, I'm going to be running to the fellowship hall because I have a Bible study. You know, so um, I mean, is that far? You got to run? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I like to start on time. You know, so, you're right. But. Uh, <laughs> But anyway, uh, we, our worship is Sunday mornings at 9 a.m., um, and then we have a time of fellowship from like 10 to 10.30, uh, and then we have Bible study from 10.30 to 11.30, and right now we're studying First and Second Peter. Um, during the course of the week, we do a Wednesday night service all the time, uh, and that's at 6.30. Um, it's a kind of an abbreviated, you know, divine service. Oh. We do that from 6.30 to 7.00. Uh, and then at 7 o'clock, we have a Bible study. We're currently studying the Book of Romans. And then I have a Bible study this morning at 10, um, and we are doing a walkthrough of the Old Testament, looking for Jesus in the Old Testament, uh, are, are the Bible studies that we have right now. Yeah, I ought to send you. I did a study in another church where I have over 284 Old Testament passages that are actually quoted mm-hmm. in the New Testament about Jesus. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of that. I don't know that I'm hitting all 280, whatever you just said. Yeah. You know, but um, it's a lot of that. 
you know, we're looking and seeing, you know, because, I mean, the bottom line is that the Bible is really about Jesus. You know, it's a story about Jesus. Now, to get to your church, how about directions? Okay, we are at 955 Highway 109 in Wildwood. We're right by Babbler State Park. Um, You know, if you were to come on Highway 40, you'd want to take the long road exit, you know, um, right there by Chesterfield Commons, and then kind of follow it around the Highway 109, and then we're about two miles down the road. Um, If you're coming up 44, you know, you exit at 109 in Eureka, you know, and head up, and we are probably about like a 10-minute drive north of there. So. Do you know the next time you're going to be on Concord Matters, or? I don't. You know, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a little bit random. I know that, right. uh, you know, uh, Charlie Hendrickson, who's the host usually, you know, sends out an email, and if I am available, I'll say I can do it, you know, so. Well, I was really glad you were available today. Oh, sure. Um, because, you know, West Rhymnitz is on assignment for two. Uh, last uh, week, uh, we had another, uh, James Norton. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, huh. he, he was on. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen him in years. No, know. no, he's uh, moved up north, and he's involved with uh, still the uh, military to a degree, but he's serving two congregations in a retired capacity. Oh, nice. Yeah, by the way, you'll never retire, Steve. I've already been told that. Yeah. I know. <laughs> and I love it. Thank you so very much. And God bless you and say hi to Sharon for me. I sure will. We'll get you those brochures. Okay, so. thank you. Right, Bye. Bye. And I'm Tom Baker. And that was Rumination Thursday with Steve, Pastor Steve Reardon. Uh, just a wonderful pastor. Great sermons. Great Bible studies. And I hope if you're in the Wildwood area that you'll meet there. If you have any other questions about what he said, we've got open mic Friday tomorrow. Until then, I'm Tom Baker. God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.